You believe in evil? Believe in good? You believe in God? Believe in the devil? Nefarious. That's the name of the movie we're going to be talking about today. I don't know if you've seen it. It's uh, There's been a couple of movies named Nefarious. The idea of good and evil has been around a long time, probably since the beginning of time. But I happen to be a person that believes in the constructs of good and evil. In other words, I, I, I believe that there is inherently good and inherently evil in man, but I also believe that there is entities of good and entities of evil. And to me, there's been no clearer um, definition, no clearer representation, if you will, of good and evil than this movie called Nefarious. Now, on the day of the scheduled execution of a serial killer, killed six people, his name was Edward Wayne Brady. Edward Wayne Brady tells the psychiatrist that he's a demon who can possess a body. And he tells the doctor that he'll soon commit three murders of his own. So here's, here's the convicted killer in prison telling the doctor, doctor, you yourself will also have committed, by the end of our time together today, will have also committed three murders. So as you're beginning to watch this movie, you're going, whoa, man, what's going to happen? You know, Well, those murders turn out to be, number one, the psychiatrist's mother. He previously took his mother off of life support. The second murder that the doctor is going to commit is the unborn child that his then-girlfriend is carrying, and that day is scheduled to be in the abortion clinic having an abortion. And then the third murder would be of Edward Wayne Brady himself when his sentence is carried out. So if you haven't seen this movie, I do recommend highly, and I'm going to try to not spoil the movie for you, so you're going to want to watch the entire thing. But this is only for people who can handle the supernatural. And what I mean by that is um, it, it, it can be a little unnerving to watch this. I've been a Christian 40-something years, and I can tell you this movie did throw me enough to make me think through a whole lot of things. So to start off with, one of the most interesting scenes in this movie is where Dr. James, who is the psychiatrist, he's played by James, um, I'm sorry, Jordan Belliff. Jordan Belliff. He's told by Sean Patrick Flannery's character, Edward Wayne Brady, who is a convicted murderer, like I said, six times over. He's on death row. And his death is supposed to occur that evening. And he goes on to explain to the doctor that he is a demon inhabiting the body of Mr. Brady and that his name is Nefarious. Let's watch the first clip. I want to know how you knew my girlfriend was having an abortion. I'm a demon, remember? How did you know? I chose you. James, and ever since then, I've been watching you, analyzing you, observing you, studying you for your weaknesses. From inside a prison cell? Dreams can only be one place at any one time, but we can be any place we choose. Usually I'm here with Edward. The remaining time, I'm with you. I don't believe you. Well, then you explain how I did it. 
James, you explain how I know. I can't. And I can't explain how a professional magician does his tricks either, but that doesn't make them real. Well, when I have a confession to make, I'm not a demon at all, James. I'm just a man who doesn't want to be executed. I thought I could fool you, but you're too smart, so I give up. So you're sane. You've always been sane, and now it's my duty to let your execution go forward? Yes. Giving you exactly what you said you wanted the whole time? Yes. It's a little convenient, don't you think? Well, I admit it might seem that way, but... All right. Fine. I'll sign off on it right now. You just have to answer one little question. With pleasure, James. Give me the real world, non-supernatural, completely reasonable explanation for how you knew my girlfriend was going in for an elective termination this afternoon. <laughs> an elective... Well, I, I don't know, Jim. Maybe, maybe, maybe I'm just a good guesser. I still don't believe you. I play the flute and you wouldn't dance. I play the dirge and you wouldn't weep. I tell you I'm a demon and you don't believe me. I tell you I'm not a demon and you don't believe me, so why don't you tell me the story you'd like to hear? The one that's true. No, I told you the true story and you don't want to hear it. Do you think I'm evil, James? Evil isn't a clinical diagnosis. Good and evil are societal constructs, effectively subjective value statements. Do you think my victims thought I was evil? Why is it so important that I think you're evil? You know, most times we don't want to believe that evil is real. Because if it is real, then we need to start changing what we believe. Evil does have a way of knowing a lot about us. Uh, in Christian realms, we call that familiar spirits. These are demons that have been around us, maybe for our entire life. And they can tell us about our past because they've been watching us all along. Legionum mihi nomenest, quia multisumus. Sorry, my, um, my Latin's a little rusty. My name is Legion, for we are many. See, James, is not just about you or Edward, for that matter. It's about everyone. The entire human race. All of us against all of you. Hmm. Well, you know, if that's the case, your side's not doing too well. Do you really believe that, James? Yeah. We've never been freer. Literacy is at an all-time high. We're working to eliminate racism, intolerance, gender inequality. People can, people can love who they want, be who they want, do what they want. Diversity is no longer a dream. Hate speech is no longer tolerated. And politically, we're reclaiming the moral high ground. James, I think I love you. Literacy, James. James, the average high school graduate reads at a sixth grade level. You have basketball players making 30 million a year decrying racism, all while wearing sneakers made from slave labor. Now here's something for you. Right now, your world currently has 40 million slaves. More than the Romans had at the height of their empire. You wanna know the best part though? Half of those, half, are sex slaves, James. As for hate speech, well, you wanna hear some irony? 
We didn't even come up with that one. You did it all by yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you amaze even us. I fail to see the humor. <laughs> Bottom line is you're done. It's over, that's it. And we did it all right to your face, James. And now there's evil everywhere. And no one even cares. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree. Proving that we achieved our goal. Slowly, with your movies, your TV, and your media. We desensitized you. Redirected your worldview to the point that you can't even recognize evil when it's right in front of your face. More to the point, James, you can't even feel it when you're doing it. And as for winners and losers, whoa, whoa, whoa. That gets decided at the time of death. The exact numbers are closely guarded secret, but there are more of you ending up in my master's house than with the enemy. A lot more, Jimmy. Wow, there's a lot to talk about here. Um, the most important takeaway that I got from this was, I believe that what Nefarious says is truth. See, we here in the West, especially in America, I mean, um, we're so comfortable with life. We're so relaxed in everything that we do. We never, we never consider what it would be like, for instance, you know, to, to unless you've had the experience of going to a third world nation, we we never figure what it would be like to be living an inconvenient life, an an, an uncomfortable life, a life of. Um, you know, just sheer poverty, sheer misery. We never think about that because Americans are basically comfortable. So we have pretty much abandoned the notion of absolute truth. Because we're so comfortable, we, we don't we don't think about things like absolutes. We instead have, because of our comfort levels, we've we we've designed our own levels of belief. And so we say, well, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe it's not true. Maybe there's a God. Maybe there's a devil. You know, I don't know. I don't know if we really need to know. You know, God understands. You know, God loves us. And, and we take the notions of love and God and Christianity, and we kind of twist it into our own form of what we want it to be. And and because of that, the uh, reality of the real evil we don't have a clue about did you ever hear about miracles for instance in the west here we hear about miracles but they're very very rare not like it used to be even back in the early 1900s there were many miracles videos and tapes and newspaper articles of a little baby who was born without arms and legs true story born without arms and legs and this evangelist prayed for the mother and the baby. And right there in front of the entire public, a huge tent filled with people, the baby's arms and legs began to grow out. Miracles. We don't hear much about things like that today. And that's mainly because our faith level has, well, it's, 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 it's been reduced because of our comforts. We don't have the faith that people in the third world nation have. I visited many countries that were very, very poor. And you go there and they have, you know, a dirt floor in their house and they have a simple meal of you know maybe some root and maybe a little thin chicken that weighs about you know 14 ounces and and to them that's going to be a great meal and they're thankful and they're happy so when it comes to faith or believing or when it comes to understanding 
good and evil, they have a much better sense of it because they live in a more real world. We live in a world that's really, we're, we're, we're living like in a bubble, a bubble of comfort, a, a bubble of beauty, a bubble of freedom, a bubble of abundance. And we don't see what's really happening all around us. But throughout this movie, I began to question things, even things that I thought I realized and thought I knew. See, there is a demonic world. And if there is, I'm just posing it as a question. If there is a real demonic world, then maybe Jesus, you heard about him, right? (laughs) Maybe Jesus is who he claimed to be. The warden wants to see you. I'm, I'm not finished yet. It's not a suggestion. I need you to see something. We just found that doing that clear out of the cell. to me like you got a van. How could he have done this? The hell is this? It's not nice to go through other people's things, Jimmy. You're a liar. You've been studying me, learning everything about me. My relationships, my life. How long has this been going on? Since you were a child. Impossible. I need to know. Were you planning on killing me? Huh? Was I supposed to be your next victim? Why would I do that, James? You're my best friend. You think that scares me? You get off on this? No. I get off on this. Back up! Back up! I'll kill him. Edward, easy. Let him go. Nobody's going to hurt you. Thank you for that word. That is so comforting. I got a question for you, Jimmy. What are you thinking right now? (laughs) Answer me! (laughs) You're going to die. This never gets old. Strangulation. You know, this is our favorite method of murder. Something like that. The intimate relationship between killer and victim. I can feel every ripple coursing through your body. I can feel your heart throbbing through this chain. You know the best part, Jimmy? Best part, when I look in your eyes, I can see the exact instant, the tremulous moment when the soul leaves the body! Cry for me, Jimmy. You beg for your life. Beg me, Jimmy! Edward. Edward. Why would I kill you, James? I feel like this brought us so much closer together. Don't you? That's enough! 
Edward is crazy, James. You know that. You know that. What you're about to do is wrong. It's wrong. It's murder, James. After all, James, I'm just a figment of his imagination. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, Jimmy? I find the accused, Edward Wayne Brady, competent to stand execution. And that's three, James. Just like I said. All right, get him out of here. Wow. See, what you have to understand is the psychiatrist was brought in to be able to determine whether he was sane or insane. If he was insane, they couldn't execute him. And they'd have to let him off the hook. If he was sane, then they could execute him. So the doctor all along thought he was sane, just playing a game, looking to, you know, get out, looking to be able to get off the hook, looking to be able to live. And Nefarious here brings him to the place where his own life is in risk. And right then and there, doctor makes a decision that he wanted to live and said, that's it. And he signs the papers. So the demon assaults him, convincing him that he was sane and wanted to live. Like I said, if he's insane, then they can't kill him. They, they, they have to say, well, he's insane and we got to let him go. But if he's sane, he could be executed. Demon wins. Gets him to sign off on the paperwork. Dr. James is feels a sense of almost like relief because he got to live and gets this whole picture kind of behind him in a way. But Nefarious gives him an opportunity there to join him before the execution. But Dr. James doesn't want anything to do with it. He really doesn't believe in evil. He really doesn't believe in good. He doesn't believe in all this stuff. Our natural instinct is to run away from evil. I, I think for the most part, that's probably going to be true. But if you've ever met anyone who is uh, a sociopath, probably not. I've had the unfortunate experience of meeting someone who was a sociopath. And these people have no compassion, no mercy. They actually get some kind of sick joy out of other people suffering, even dying. They get literally a sick sense of euphoria from someone being killed or murdered. Um, I don't know if this movie will actually change the way you think about good and evil, but the idea is to get you to think about good and evil. I believe that God created all of us to be more like him, to be good. But pride, power, greed, selfishness, it does affect us. And it does make a difference in how our life plays out. Why are you doing this to me? You tell them the truth. You tell them the truth. You tell them I didn't do this. Hold it right there. Wow. The real Edward is speaking right there. 
He's getting ready to be executed. They're, they're getting ready to put him in the chair. He jumps up, goes to the window. Tell him the truth. Tell him the truth. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's the real Edward. That's not the demon speaking. That's Edward speaking. What could Dr. Dr. James, what could he do? He, he, was, he, 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 he was dumbfounded. He, he didn't know what to do next. Let's roll the clip. Log time of death at 11.02 p.m. Remand the body for autopsy. Commence debrief. Witnesses are hereby released. Other posts return to standard operation. Looks like every dirtbag on the planet just moved up a notch. You okay? You should have accepted my offer, James. No, 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 no. <laughs> Calm down. Help me. It's okay. It's over. 10.32 in the witness viewing room. Relax. Just put the weapon down. He won't let me. Put the weapon down. Put it down. He won't let me. Who won't let you? Him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on, Doc. It's been a long day. Just give the detective his gun back and we'll all go home. What's wrong? Stay back, guys. Stay back. Give him room. Give him room. I was wrong about everything. Take it easy. I was wrong about everything. Doc. Whoa, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't want to do that, Doc. Come on. Doc. Come on. Help me. Catch that? He, 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 just before he's ready to pull the trigger, I, I mean, he, he, he's, he's yelling out to people, you know, I can't, I can't, he won't let me, he won't let me. Um, the possession overwhelmed him. He said, I was wrong about everything. I was wrong about everything. And he tries to pull the trigger. But before he does, he says, God, help me, help me. And then he pulls the trigger. This was pivotal in the movie. This was the this was the place where everything changed. The doctor, once atheist, once you know unbeliever, once unsure about all this stuff, suddenly his eyes are opened, and he recognizes the evil for what it was. It, it was it was subtle there. It, it was subtle. You had to listen really carefully. Uh, because, you, you know, the gun and, and we're all thinking, oh, is he going to do it? He's going to shoot himself. But it was right there at that moment. See how easy it is to get the attention of God? That's how easy it is. God help me. He meant it. <laughs> you could better, better believe he meant it. Just like he wanted to have his life saved when Nefarious was trying to kill him. He meant it. I want to live, he said. I want to live. Here's the final clip. According to the ballistics team, I pulled the trigger three times. And, and they could tell because there were three separate and distinct strike imprints from the firing pin on the back of the shell casing. And then when they 
attempted in the ballistics lab later to fire the same gun, same cartridges. It worked just fine. A believer, not a psychiatrist, a man of science, but a believer would say, you had an encounter. Divine or demonic, you had an encounter. Yeah. So why would this demonic entity want you dead? Punishment for not doing what he wanted. <laughs> what happens to an atheist uh, that is confronted by demonic evil? It shatters you. And yet the same demon that shatters you wrote a book and you're here and you, you wanted it published. Yes. Well, no, I... Uh, he wanted it written as an invitation to follow his master into the darkness, but I... I rewrote it. I rewrote it as a warning revealing his plan and begging people not to go along with it. And even after all that, Dr. James still is unsure that it was God that saved him. He pulled the trigger three times. It made three separate indentations in the bullet and it didn't fire each bullet. But yet in the ballistics lab, they all fired. Um, he rewrites the book that Nefarious wrote. Now, the devil watched him from when he was a child, had been grooming him all these years to the place where he was a pure atheist, didn't want to know nothing about God or evil or devil, didn't believe any of it, was just, you know, into what he was into, a part of a wealthy family, the whole bit that you'll find out when you watch the movie, so interesting. And here it was, the purpose for evil following him all them years was that he would take the book that the devil wrote, that the demon wrote, and presented to the world, he rewrites it and changes it to expose evil for what it is and to bring a warning to the rest of the world. He came face to face with nefarious. He came face to face with evil. I hope this movie makes the average person, even the average Christian, walk away with Maybe not a changed point of view, but walk away with questions. Walk away with wondering about what you really believe about good and what you really believe about evil's potential. Even though I already pretty much believed most of what I still believe after watching this movie, it, it drove home certain points in a much clearer way than I could have ever imagined. The movie was... I think very, very well put together. I want nothing to do with evil. And this movie just simply solidified that fact. I want a close and strong relationship with Jesus Christ. After all, I look at it this way. Let's say that I'm totally wrong. Let's say I live my life, um, you know, going through all the, the things of life like we all do, believing like I do, believe in Jesus and believe in uh, the works that he did on the cross and believe he sacrificed himself for me. And I tell people about Jesus and I live my life that way. And the worst that happens is I'm wrong. But when I die, then if like an atheist says there's nothing, then I go into nothingness. And the worst that happened is I lived, you know, what some people would consider to be a good life. But what if I'm right? 
What if there is life after death? I think we only die once. I think we live eternally. But but what if I'm right and we come face to face with Jesus? What will we have to say then? The Bible makes it pretty clear that the decision that we make in this life determines where we will be in eternity because we were created as eternal beings meant to live eternally. But given chance after chance after chance in this life to choose God, to choose good. I believe Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. What if I'm right? How will you answer that day when you come face to face with him? 